Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. Yo, Epiph, good morning. It is so good to be gathered with God's people, celebrating the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Uh, Just like the last several months, we have been gathering virtually online, and I'm so excited to be piped into your homes today. Real talk, I have no clue where you are in your house. I don't know if you got up, you got dressed, you sitting at the kitchen table, you got your waffles and your Bible open and you are ready for worship. Praise God if that is you. Uh, I don't know if you're in the bed and you are still half asleep and you got crust in your eyes and you didn't even brush your teeth. You got stink breath this morning. Uh, no matter where you are, no judgment, by the way, the, the way Tabitha Brown will say it is, that's your business. So no, no shade on you. Uh, I'm just excited to be able to gather with God's people uh, to talk uh, about Jesus, to worship Jesus through song. And I'm really excited today because we are starting a brand new sermon series If you know people that have not piped into our live, this is a good moment to tell them. Why don't you do me a favor? If you're on Facebook, just go ahead up and hit that share button and share this so that someone knows that we're live. And if you're on YouTube, why don't you copy the link and send it to that one trifling friend that you've been trying to get to come to church and they haven't been able to come with you. Why don't you let them know that we are live and we are about to get into the word of God starting a new sermon series today called Interruptions. And we're going to look at how God works all things out, uh, works all things together. Uh, And it's interesting, you know, uh, interruptions are normally a nuisance for us, but I wonder if we're looking at them the wrong way because interruptions might be what God is using to align you with his will and get us back on purpose. So do me a favor, grab your Bibles, grab your devices, your laptops, whatever you have that contains God's word, run back to the second book of the Bible. We'll be in the book of Exodus this morning, Exodus chapter two, as we start this sermon series, Interruptions. We're going to look at four different biblical characters over the next four weeks. And over the next four weeks, each biblical character, we're going to look at how God Uh, divinely interrupts their life in order to put them on purpose. And this week, we're going to be looking, you guessed it if you're in Exodus 2, we are going to be looking at the life of Moses. Uh, As you're turning there, let me just quickly say um, a word to Epiphany uh, members and those who attend our church. I miss y'all, man. I I miss y'all. I pray that you guys are being safe. I was on my phone the other day, and I was looking at old videos and old uh, pictures of us gathering together. And your boy got a little teary-eyed uh, when I was looking at these videos because I deeply miss you guys. And so every chance I get, I just want to say I love you and I pray that you guys are being safe. I almost feel like Paul in his, uh, in his Pauline letters in the New Testament where he would often say, I long to see you. I long to preach the gospel to you. Uh, that is the same for me. And I long uh, to put my arms around you and hug you with no fear of uh, contaminating anyone with any virus. Until then, we'll just continue to send these videos out and pray that it would be um, uh, good for your journey, your spiritual journey and your spiritual growth. All right. We are in Exodus 2. If you're there, do me a favor. Just type in Europe. Just type that in. Keep typing it. Keep typing it. Keep typing it. Keep typing it. Letting everyone know that we are there. We are in Exodus 2. Uh, here's how we're going to do it today. Normally, I read, I announce our topic, and I pray. We're going to be talking about interruptions, and we're going to look at the life of Moses, but I'm going to pray first, and then we'll dig in uh, to the Word of God. 
Join me in prayer wherever you are. Our Father, as we open your word today, we do so expressing our dependency and need on you. We cannot understand this word without you. We, we can't contemplate the nutrients that's found in this word if you don't do something with our heart and our eyes. And so, Father, I pray Ephesians 1.18 over all of us, enlighten the eyes of our heart. Do that for your glory and for your honor today. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Interruptions. I was sitting in my living room 2009 when I was watching the VMAs. And this young lady gets an award for best female video. I didn't know the young lady at the time. And uh, she gets up to accept the award for uh, the video, You Belong With Me, beating out Beyonce's single ladies. I need the single ladies to put a little hand up in the chat. Beating out Beyonce's video. And as she goes up on the stage to accept the award, she's interrupted by Kanye West. Now, now this, is, this, is, this is before Jesus is King Kanye West. This is old Kanye with the parts in his hair. And he, and he gets up on the stage and he takes the mic from her, interrupting her. And he says, yo, Taylor, you had a great video. I'm gonna let you get your moment, but Beyonce had the best video of all time. And when he does that, what, what, what he does is he creates an awkward moment of interruption. It is interesting, interruptions typically are awkward for us. Maybe you've had a conversation with a friend before and you were sharing some deep thought and as you were sharing deep thought, someone interrupted you. Maybe it's that project that you've been working on for the last several months, but these kids is up in the house and they keep interrupting me and maybe your interruption has happened because a family that is around you. Maybe your interruption is career goals. Right now, I was moving up the corporate ladder, but everything has been shut down, or maybe I've been laid off and I, my life has been interrupted. I've been talking to some of y'all. Some of y'all had wedding plans and you had everything laid out and you put the money down and you put the flights down and you were ready and life got interrupted. Maybe you were going on vacation and interrupt, interruptions happened in your life or Whatever it is, interruptions tend to have a negative view tied to them. Whenever someone interrupts, we automatically assume, assume that it's rude and that it's negative. But what if we could change our perspective on interruptions today? What if we could look at interruptions not as a negativity, but what if we looked at life's interruptions as God's divine plan to align you with his will? Let me say that one more time. What if we looked at life's interruptions as God's divine plan to align you with his will? Let me say that third time. They, they say a third time is a charm. I'm going to say it to this camera because maybe you're feeling me over here. What if life's interruptions is God's divine plan to align you with his will? Over the next four weeks, we will be looking at how God interrupts different individuals' lives. And when he does, he does so and gets glory out of it. And he does so by putting them on track of where they're supposed to be. And most of us typically don't understand what God is doing while we're in the middle of the interruption. We, we tend to only know what God is doing when we look back, when we look in retrospect, we can say, oh, God was applying Romans chapter eight, verse 28 to my life. All things work together for the good of them. And maybe that is you. I know that's my story. I always have to look back to see what God is doing. But what if we could get ahead of it? 
What if we could start to look forward and say, you know what? While I'm in the midst of being interrupted, God, what are you doing? God, where, where are you taking me? How, how are you pushing me towards your will? And we get a character by the name of Moses that's going to show us what it looks like to be interrupted and jump on track with what God is doing. Unfortunately, many of us only know Moses, uh, the Moses that is walking in purpose. Many of us only know the Moses that is standing before Pharaoh going, let my people go. We only know the Moses that is standing at the Red Sea and parting the Red Sea. We only know the Moses that strikes the rock and water comes out. Many of us only know the Moses that's standing on Mount Sinai with two tablets collecting the Ten Commandments. But my question is, do you know the Moses that struggled with being interrupted by God? Do you know the Moses that hid? That the Moses that questioned God's ability to use him as he was struggling with what God was doing in his life. Do we know that Moses, the Moses that was hiding, hiding out in Midian? Let let me give you a little context to where we are because I hate parachuting into chapter two of Exodus without giving you a little bit of history of where we are and how this all fits together. At the end of Genesis, you see a guy by the name of Moses. He rises to prime minister of Egypt. He rises to the second in command to Pharaoh, the king. And it is interesting. He gets all of his family. Joseph gets all of his family and protects them during the famine and brings them close. And then the Bible says in chapter one of Exodus that the previous chapter, it says that there arose a king, a new king that did not know Joseph. In other words, whatever covenant that Joseph and Pharaoh's predecessor had, Joseph doesn't have that anymore. And so the Bible says that this new king of Israel, uh, the new king of Egypt begins to deal shrewdly and harshly with the Hebrew people. And as he pressed on them and oppressed them and enslaved them, they grew all the more. They continued to increase. And so he devised a plan. He said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get all the Hebrew uh, midwives to kill every child, every male child that is born. He's, you are supposed to kill them at birth. But the Bible says that there are two Hebrew midwives, Sifra and Pua, that feared God. And because they feared God, they did not do what the king said king in rage. Why would you not do this? They said, well, the Hebrew women are just different. They're vigorous at childbirth. They give birth before we get there. So he devised another plan. He said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to take every male child, stay with me, and I'm going to throw them in the Nile. Chapter two of Exodus, Moses is born under these conditions. Moses is born during a time where the king of Egypt was oppressing the Hebrew people and killing all of the male boys. And Moses' mother had a great plan. I want to protect my child. And so I'm going to put my child in a basket and allow him to float up the river. And Pharaoh's daughter finds Moses. Fast forward, Moses grows up in in an Egyptian palace, even though he is Uh, A Hebrew, he grows up in this palace. And the Bible tells me in chapter two that one day he was walking and he looked and he saw an Egyptian dealing harshly and beating a Hebrew. And something in him was so enraged that he decided to intervene and he decided to kill 
the Egyptian. Well, when he decided to kill the Egyptian, I, I would say this was premature timing for Moses. Don't miss this. Moses' destiny was to deliver and protect the Hebrew people. As he's walking, he sees a Hebrew getting beat and he prematurely kills the Egyptian. That's a whole word right there. There are some of you that God has put the desire in you, that God has put the vision in you. God has put the burden in you, but you might not be ready. Moses wasn't ready to lead the people, but he allowed this burden to make him kill an Egyptian. Who am I talking to that God showed you some things? He put the burden in you. You've written out the vision, but you might need to sit back and just wait a bit. Moses needed to wait when he killed the Egyptian. I'll never forget when I was living in Philadelphia and I felt like God was calling me to plant this church here in Brooklyn. I remember going to my pastor and we talked through it and we prayed through it and we both felt like it was the Lord. And he said to me, it is the Lord, but you're not ready. You need two years. So he made me sit and which was, I mean, absolute wisdom, sit and get nurtured and get discipled and develop the vision and keep working on the vision. And after two years, I was able to go out and plant Epiphany Church. Why? Because I had the vision two years before, but I wasn't ready. I needed more cooking. I needed more baking. I needed, I was undone. I needed to sit inside the oven a little bit longer. And I don't know who I'm talking to, but I guarantee some of you feel the burden and you think that you should Just automatically do it, but some of us need to just sit because we might be prematurely trying to get in a season that God has not given us yet. And so the Bible says in chapter two that he kills the Egyptian. And after he kills the Egyptian, Pharaoh hears about it and Moses runs. For fear of the king, he runs. Now, where he runs to is where I want to spend our time today. The Bible tells me that Moses ran to Midian. He runs and he hides out in this place called Midian and he gets comfortable. Again, God put the burden in him for the oppressed people, but he gets comfortable in Midian. And Midian is where I want to spend our time because that Midian is where Moses got interrupted and sent back to Egypt. How do I know he was comfortable? If you'll do me a favor in chapter two. Look at verse 21. I think it's pulling up somewhere right about now on the screen. Look at verse 21 of Exodus chapter two. It says, and Moses was content to dwell with the man and give Moses, and he gave Moses his daughter Zipporah. She gave birth to a son and he called his name Gershom for he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. Let me lift back up one word in verse 21. And Moses was content. Can you believe that Moses runs away to Midian? He meets a guy named Jethro, uh, which becomes his father-in-law. He has a a, a child. He gets married. He's boo-loving with Zipporah. He is comfortable. He got a job because he's looking after uh, Jethro's flock and everything is well. And it's almost like he forgot that he had an assignment back in Egypt. It is almost as though he forgot that God was calling him to do something else. Here's what happened. He got comfortable. 
I don't know who I'm talking, through, talking to this morning, but one of the main signs that you are in need of divine interruption is when you get comfortable in a season that was meant to be temporary. Somebody just write that in the chat. A temporary season, and I got too comfortable in this temporary season. Who am I talking to that God has placed something in you, but you've settled for the season that you're in? All that gifting in you. All that vision in you, all that burden and desire that God has given you and somewhere along the line it fizzled out. Why? Because you got comfortable in the season that you are in. Why do we get complacent? Why do we get stuck? Why do we get comfortable? We get comfortable for really two reasons. Number one, and I'm going to write this down. I, I asked the, 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 our tech team to take a little time off. They ain't have to uh, do, do any graphics uh, for this. I, I'm going to write it out. So he, he, here's one of the reasons that we get comfortable in a temporary season. I can't write and talk, so y'all bear with me. First reason that we get comfortable in a temporary season is because of seeming success in that season. Nothing will hinder you further from being aligned to the will of God like getting seeming success in a season that had an expiration date. A season that was not meant to go that long. And you know what happens is you get in that temporary season, you make a little money, you get your little degree and you get smart and all that stuff. And a few people applause you and tell you do, you are doing well. And you get a little bit of success and you say, God, this is where you want me. But God is like, no, I need to interrupt you. That was just a moment that was supposed to transition you into the next season. But We've gotten comfortable. Why? Because of seeming success. Don't feel yourself in this season. This ain't it. Don't, 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 don't get too comfortable in this season. This ain't it. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I'm talking to the person that you know you need to get interrupted. You used to have burden. You used to have desire. You used to have a passion and somewhere along the line, it began to fizzle out. Why? Because that season, you've exhausted everything in that season but you got comfortable. Many of you are still in Midian because you got comfortable. Here, here's what, how Moses got comfortable. He got a wife, he had kids, he got a job, and he's comfortable. Even though the people, the Hebrew people are still in Egypt suffering. God is like, nah, 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 bro. You can't get comfortable in this season. I don't know who I'm talking to. Here's the second reason. Second reason that we get comfortable in seasons that have an expiration date is because, I hope y'all track it with me. Because we are feeling too old. We get comfortable in the season because we be like, God, I've been in this season for a long time. Certainly you got to be using somebody else. I feel too old. I'm looking around and these young people are good at what they're doing. I can't keep up with the technology. And so therefore, I'm going to just get comfortable in this season. And God is like, no, don't get comfortable in the season. You're never too old. Do you know? Don't miss this. Do you know that Moses was 40 years old when he ran to Midian? Do you also know that he stayed in Midian for another 40 years? Read Acts chapter 7. Read, the, read Exodus chapter 7. You'll see that he was 40 when he got there. He stayed there for 40 years, and he finally got interrupted when he was 80. He stayed in Midian for 40 years. 
Who, who am I talking to that you feel like you're too old? You feel like your time has passed. I am outside of my prime. Listen, you are not past your prime. God can use you if he's willing to use a Moses that's 80 years old to deliver people. He can use you. You're not past your prime. Dust that business plan off. Dust that proposal off. Get your mojo back and get back on it because you are not too old. Moses was 80 years old. So God comes to him. He says, listen, you, you, you hanging out too long. Uh, I gave you a burden. I gave you a passion. You misused it before, but I'm, I'm, I'm gracious. So therefore, I'm going to give you another chance. And he comes and he does something that is full of grace. He interrupts him. Did you know that grace that that interruptions is God's grace. For if God wasn't gracious, he let you sit in a season that you ain't supposed to be in. But the fact that he interrupts you shows me that God actually is a gracious God. So he comes to Moses while he's sitting in Midian. Again, he's tending to his father-in-law's flock. He's married to Zipporah. He has a son. He's comfortable. And God comes and interrupts him. Look at chapter three with me. Do the lecture slide through the book of Exodus here. In chapter three, when he interrupts Moses, he does so in a very unconventional way. He does so in a way that I would have not guessed he would have done it. You would think that God, this God, would just sit in the living room with Moses and say, Moses, this is what I want you to do. But watch how he comes to him. Verse one of chapter three says, now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. It says, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flaming, in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He took, he looked and he looked and behold, the bush was burning yet was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned Aside to see, he called him out of the bush, Moses. Moses, put a quick pause right there. Keep your finger right there. Whenever you see the name uh, given twice, Moses, Moses, you know it's a divine interruption. This is the same thing that happens in Genesis 22. When Abraham was about to kill his son, the Bible says he lifts up the knife and God does not call Abraham once. He calls him twice. He says, Abraham, Abraham, you know it is divine Interruption. So he says here, he says, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off for the place in which you are standing is holy ground. I love that. The dirtiest place becomes holy when God's presence gets on it. Verse six. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses and Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry because of their taskmaster. Master. I know their suffering and I have come down, to uh, come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up out of the land to a good and a broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, a place where the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the uh, Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, somebody just type in all the ites. And it says here in verse nine, and now behold, the cry of the people of Israel have come and I have also 
seen their oppression to which the Egyptians oppressed them. Here's interruption, verse 10. Verse 10 is the interruption. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. God is sitting up in heaven. He looks down as he scans the earth and he looks over the balcony of heaven and he sees Moses in Midian. He's like, bruh, you still in Midian? You still in the same place? You're not supposed to be in Midian for 40 years. That This season is over. I'm transitioning you because I need you. I have an assignment for you. And he places the burden and the desire back on him. And he does so, watch this, through an interruption. Through finally interrupting him, now we can get Moses back on track to do what he was created to do, which was deliver the Israeli people out. And God comes to him. He comes in a most unlikely place. He speaks through a bush that is burning and not being consumed. Okay, so God spoke to Moses in a mystical way. Here's my question for you. How is he speaking to you? How, how is he trying to get your attention? How is he trying to interrupt you? Are, are you aware? Are you fully discerning what God is doing, the providence of God, God what are you doing in the season that I'm in? What I found interesting was when God spoke from this burning bush, he never brings up Moses' past mistakes. Not one time out of the bush does he say, why did you kill the Egyptian? Not, not once from the burning bush does he say, why have you been in Midian for 40 years? He comes in verse 10 and gives him an assignment. He says, this is what I want to do. I'm about to deliver my people out. You're the one that's going to do it. Doesn't even give Moses the option to say no. He says, this is what you're going to do. And that's what I love. God's grace is always irresistible. Whenever God wants something, he gets what he wants. And so the Bible says here that he comes to him and he comes to him in an unlikely place. But how is he getting your attention? Is the layoff God trying to get your attention? Is the breakup of that relationship God trying to get your attention? Was that conversation that you had with your homegirl last week, is that God trying to get your attention? He often comes to us in different ways, and this is hard because he doesn't come to everybody the same way, but all of us need to be interrupted, and we need to pay attention to how God does it. When I was in Philly, and I first sensed the call to plant the church here, I was working at Verizon Wireless. I was in Midian. Here's how I was in Midian. By God's grace, I was moving up the corporate ladder. Uh, we, my, my wife and I just purchased our first home. We had a four-bedroom house, two-car garage. We had a little land, a little playground set in the back. I mean, it, was, it, was, it felt like heaven. It was so comfortable. And God came and interrupted that season and said, I need you to get out of the burbs, get into the hood, give your life to a bunch of young people and share the gospel. And that's how God interrupted me. How is he interrupting you? How is he coming to you? How is he knocking on the door of your heart? Are you paying attention? Are you being discerning? How many of us have prayed since COVID-19? God, what are you doing with this season? I got laid off. What are you doing though? I choose not to look at this as a negative interruption. God, I choose to look at this as your wise providence. What are you doing? How are you trying to speak to me? In fact, this week, that's what I want you to do. I want you to write that down. I just simply want you to pray that God would give you a discerning heart to understand what the interruption is. You know, there's a point in, in, in Elijah's life, the prophet Elijah, in 1 Kings 19, the Bible says that God comes through an earthquake. 
And then it goes on and says that he comes through a, a wind. And then it goes on and it says he comes through a fire. But then the last way he comes to Elijah is through a small whisper. Out of all of the other stuff that I, Elijah could have said was God, it was the small whisper in which he came to Elijah. How is he coming to you? How is he speaking to you in this season? Are you listening? Are you removing the spiritual earwax? Are you removing the scales from your eyes so you can see what God is doing? Do me a favor and just type that in. God, what are you doing? God, what are you doing in this season? I'm here. Here here am I. How are you trying to get my attention? So the Bible says that he interrupts Moses' life while he's in Midian. But when he does, God never, please write this down as well. God never interrupts you and gives you an assignment that's mediocre. He always gives you something that's bigger than you. He never gives you something that you can do without him. He always gives you something that you could never do unless God's presence was with you. Uh, Interruption rule number one, God always does stuff that's bigger than us. And he calls people that aren't qualified, aren't skilled, don't have the right connections to do it. How do I know that? Because when God says to Moses in chapter three, Moses, I need you to go. Moses' immediate reaction in verse 11 is this. I'm still in chapter three. It says, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Fast forward to chapter four, chapter four, verse one. He says this, then Moses answered, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice for they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. Okay, one more. Fast forward to chapter four, verse 10. But Moses said to the Lord, oh my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past uh, 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 since you have spoken to your servant. Watch this, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. God comes to Moses and says, Moses, I'm going to use you. And Moses' automatic reaction is inadequacy. You can't use me. Use somebody else. Use my father-in-law. He's the priest of Midian. He's a godly man. Use him. No, 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 no. I'm using you. The one that can't talk, I'm sending you. The the one that is slow of speech, I'm sending you. Whenever God calls you, God always calls you to something that is bigger than you. He calls you to stuff that you cannot do without him. And I love that about God because God never calls us to something easy. He always calls us to dependency. Preach, B. Let me say that one more time. God never calls us to easy. He always calls us to dependency. He calls you to something to, to, to do that if you did not have God, you would fall flat on your face. Watch this. If Moses was eloquent, if Moses had good skills at communication, when the children of Israel were delivered out of Egypt, Moses could have easily took credit. He could have said, yeah, that's because of my skill. God says, no, no, no. I got to get the person that can't talk to go to the most powerful man in Egypt because when I deliver my people out, Moses will say, can't nobody do this but God. Can y'all type that in the chat? Can't nobody do this but God. I can't do this thing on my own. Why? Because he never calls me to easy. He always calls me to dependency. And what God is trying to do is not because of you. It is through you. God isn't trying to work something because you bring something to the table. He's trying to work something through you, despite you, 
Despite your limitations, I don't know who I'm talking to, but somebody doesn't feel qualified for what God is calling them to do. Let me help you out. You're not. Somebody doesn't feel gifted enough to what God is calling you to. Let me help you out. You're not. I'll never forget when God called me. I was like, you calling me to pastor people? Nah, I actually got it confused when I first felt like God was calling me to Brooklyn. I thought he was, I asked my wife, I thought he was calling my pastor. I said, man, I'll go with him, man. People will get saved. He'll preach that gospel. I'll be a great number two. I'll make sure that the churches, I'll disciple, I'll do whatever you need. But I'm not the person that you are calling to do this job. Why? Because I felt like I was not skilled enough. And guess what? I'm not. Because God always calls the most unlikely people to do great things. He calls Moses. Moses, is, he stutters. He's heavy at, at the tongue. He is not quick. He's not witty. But God says, that's exactly the candidate I need. I need the person that doesn't have a lot. Person that, doesn't, that knows that they don't bring any value to the team. I need that person so that I can show my grace all over their life. So the Bible says here that he calls Moses. And many commentators will suggest if you keep reading through Exodus... We don't have time to work it today. But if you keep reading through the story of the exodus of the Israeli people, the Hebrew people out of Egypt, many commentators suggest that two to three million people were delivered. Can you believe that? Two to three million people crossed over the Red Sea, stayed in the wilderness, and then made it into into the promised land. Two to three million people. Here's why. Because one man, got interrupted while he was in Midian because one man decided to obey God even though he wasn't qualified. One man is able to deliver out many. Who needs to be interrupted? Who knows? Like through the whole sermon, you're going, he talking to me. I'm in that season where I got a little bit of success and I'm feeling comfortable, but I know you put something else on my heart. This message should cause some of you to redo that resume and send it again. That this message should cause some of you to quit that job because you know you're past your season with it. I don't care how much you make. Somebody, God is calling you, not your neighbor, not your friend, not your roommate, not your cousin, but he's calling you. And the question is, are you willing to be discerning in the season of interruption? I don't know who I'm talking to. But God wants to do something with you. And unfortunately, we've been stuck in, a, in Midian. We, we've been stuck. I've been there. And I wonder if COVID-19 has greater purpose than you just sitting and watching the news. I wonder if God is trying to get your attention today. Every head bowed. I don't know where you are, but let's act like we in church. Everybody close your eyes and, and just stop typing for a second. I know we want to chat. I know we like the response. I know we like the reaction. Just slow down for a second. Stop typing and ask God, what are you doing with me? Father, I pray for everybody on this live. I don't know who I'm talking to. I really don't know who's on the other end of this camera. But I know that you are a God that doesn't have to use people, but you choose to use people. Father, you you use people that just don't got it all together. When I consider Moses and his mistakes, when I consider the disciples and their mistakes, Father, it gives me hope, oh God, that you can use somebody undone like me. 
You can use somebody undone like the person that's on the other end of this camera. Father, would you crystallize the vision to them now? Would you stir up their affections back for that burden and that desire that you put on them? Father, would you do that today? I pray that at the end of this COVID-19, Father, we will be so sharp and found in your will. Because that is the safest place. It's being in the will of God. And so, Father, speak directly to someone's situation now. Doesn't matter that we're not all in the same room. Speak to their situation now for your glory, for your honor. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Man, it is good to hang out with y'all. I, I, I don't know what y'all got planned for the rest of the day, but somebody needs to get off this live and just process. Somebody needs to get off this live and actually just pray. So someone needs to get off this line, this, this live and Facebook your DNA partner, your discipleship partner, somebody you're connected with, your, your boy, your girl, somebody needs to FaceTime them today and process what is God doing in this season. Until next time, I'm so excited to continue to bring this content for you to you, uh, but I pray that you would uh, discern this week, write down in your journal some things that you want to see God do in this season, not next season, in this season, to develop you for the next season. Why don't you receive this blessing that's found in Numbers chapter six. It says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Grace and peace to all God's children.